16. I'm, I, I turned 67, I don't know, a couple of days ago. And uh, this morning I didn't feel too much like it, so that's good. Y'all know what I'm saying? Some days you get up and you feel 67, or you feel a little older than 67, but today I felt really pretty good. We had a great uh, ministry. Uh, went on in Del Rio uh, the last few days. With, uh, we had a great team. We had a lot of fun. We got accomplished what we needed to get accomplished. And we worked for two straight days getting it done. The ladies went to the thrift shop, and it uh, supports an orphanage in Mexico. It's something that we can probably do pretty often to help them out in this endeavor, but I want you to know that uh, we worked the entire time. I wanted to take one afternoon off and go eat in Mexico, but we had to get this done, so maybe the next time we need to leave a day early so we can go eat in Mexico. I don't know, but anyway, uh, the food is really good over there, and I was going to cheat on my diet just to do that, but I didn't, so maybe next time. Uh, I hope you have been thanking Jesus. Uh, I want to thank Jesus for Howard Holmes today. He was operating yeah. on with neck surgery. Yeah. Y'all give Howard a hand clap. Uh, you know, some people just have the grace of God on them that they can come right after something happens. You know, I mean, I've seen women have babies and uh, the next day be up here in church. Uh, I, he had surgery, uh, was it yet Friday? And uh, we prayed for him and here he is up here in church and it's just amazing that uh, I don't think you need to hurt yourself. I was really kind of amazed to see him here. But, you know, you just, if you have enough grace, you do it. Gavin, it's good to have you back, son. Y'all give Gavin a hand clap. He's gone all summer in a band, and uh, I don't know exactly what it was called, but I think he had a great time, and he'll probably be leading the band here pretty soon, be taking over the uh, band director's job. But... We're glad to have you back, son. I hope you had a great time, and I hope you share the love of God everywhere you went, because that's really the key to all of it, no matter what you get to do. Um, this last week, we talked about the river of life. Amen? And all I got to talk about, really, was whatever God wanted to talk about, and then you got to preach, because you took over the microphone, and it all went well, and I want to thank you for what you said. When I've been thinking about it all week long, I've been thinking the, the two main words which we talked about were fear and control. Most people... Uh, that uh, have fear, don't have control, and most people that have control have their own control, so they have a built-in deceived fear that they're not even operating in because they can't perceive it. Amen? That's kind of the way that fear and control works. So we talked about if, when you're born again, it, there's three parts of a river, the headwaters or the upper course, the middle course, and the mouth, of course, which opens up into a bigger vein or maybe in the ocean or something like that. And we really just talked about the upper course because when the upper course truly takes place, it's talking about when you first get born again, there has to be a change in your life. There has to be something that happens and it becomes a gushing river that begins to eliminate things in your life that you once held dear and thought this is who you really are when in fact it was a deception because that's not who you really are. When you get born again, you take on the identity of Christ. And it's a battle that you that you deal with because the world is always demanding that you look like this or you talk like this or you dress like this. I like what Pastor Rachel said well ago when she was talking about the Lord's Supper. If you're not careful, it can become a religious act. That's why we have it each week up here. You can come meet with God yourself. It's a lie from the enemy that there's a one-man show in, in the church today that, you, that he has the only ability or authority to hear from God. I will tell you till the day I die, read your Bible, hear from God, and he's got many things to say to you without coming through me. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. That's where it becomes a religious institution when in the Old Testament, what happened? Moses tried to get the people ready to meet with God at the mountain, amen, and what happened? Oh, they said, no, we've seen the power of God. We don't want to get close to it. Come on, somebody, what is wrong with us? We see the power of God. We know the grace of God. We've seen people's lives changed. We need to get in it. We need to get neck deep. We need to swim around in the grace of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So the upper course is something that really never stops. It is something, though, that it's emphasized at one point, and maybe the middle course is next, and then the, the mouth is emphasized. But whatever season or area you're in, 
You should have a river flowing constantly. The scripture we read last week was John 7, 38 and 39. Whoever believes in me, Jesus is talking, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. We know that's the Holy Ghost, Spirit of the Father, whom those who believed in him were later to receive up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus has not yet been glorified. Well, that's really important for you to know. They were giving the information that soon there would be an Acts 2-4 take place so that there would be no excuse for us to walk around in our past. There would be no excuse for us to say, I can't help it, this is the way I am. No, he's I am, and you can help it if you'll receive the Holy Ghost so that the river of God can remove those things from you that you constantly talk about and make an excuse for to hold on to in your life. I want you free. I think Jesus died and rose again for us all to be free, not just from the sins we see each other involved in, but from the secret sins that we all do. Golly gee, Leroy said amen. The rest of you are going, I'm not saying amen. He might think I have some secret sins. Let me tell you something, we all have some secret sins. Come on, somebody. I want you to be alive or I told you how this preaching goes. I'll be here a while. So in Acts 2, 4, things happened. The river began to flow. People's lives were changed. But what happened when that happened? The religious folk of that time did what? Oh, my gosh. We got to get rid of this. We got to stop this. This is not what we're accustomed to, right, Maricel? This is not what we're used to. We're going to change course here. We're going to dam that river up. And the more you tried to shut them up, the more they hollered. Amen? The more they screamed, the more they, they manifested the river of God because it was so freshening, it was so clean, it was so pure, it was so holy that they stopped trying to hold on to a religious act that was dead. Then it was destroying what God has said. Listen, they were so religious that the word of God came in the flesh and they missed him. When the streams of the spirit begin to flow, they're allowed to lead us to the oasis of God. Now, I want you to hear that again. When the streams of the Spirit of God begin to flow, they, they lead us to the oasis of God. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a place to get a drink. I'm looking for a place to be comforted. I'm looking for that place that no matter how difficult it is out in the world, I know there's a good drink waiting for me because God's got it all set up. No matter how difficult it is, He's going to be there. Amen? Where we... Where we do not lack for our needs, but meet the needs of others through overflow. See, when you really get in the river, it's not what you have that you're going to meet the needs of others with. It's the overflow from God you're going to meet the others with. That's why you must have a river flowing in your life. The thirst that many believers operate in comes from the streams of God, but they're being polluted. They're being polluted. You know, you, your river feels pretty good this morning because we're all connected together. And if you've got a trickle, you might bump into somebody's got one flowing. So the next thing you know, we can, one joint supplied to another so we can be refreshed from one another. One of the many re reasons our streams are so polluted is that we do not want to be known as believers in Jesus. Now, we don't mind it in here, although some of us still have a difficulty of doing this. We think, my God, if I raise my hand... Am I pointing out Jesus? Yeah, I want Jesus. Look here. When you're a kid, a kid, when you ask questions in EFJ, before you even finish the question, what do they do? I'm not going to tell you what the Bible says about that, but they do. They, it's up. And if they don't know anything else, they say Jesus, and you go, How can, that's a great answer. Here's a piece of candy. Why? You're always going to get a check. Isn't that right? You don't know anything else. You're going to get it with Jesus. That's so important. But we're polluted our, our river's polluted because we step out in the arena of the world and the religious area of society, which deems itself to be a believer or may, maybe be a Christian, when, if they intimidate us in the fact that this is not how a Christian walks or talks, and the reason why our river is polluted is because we don't know enough scripture to not argue with, but just walk in. It doesn't matter. I don't need to argue with anybody about the faith. I just need to walk in the faith. Let my river flow. Why? It'll remove that stuff. It will have no condemnation over me. That's impossible. Romans 8, 1 said, I don't have any condemnation because I'm a believer. So we have to watch out about our stream, our river being polluted. 
You ever floated down a river and seen all the stuff at the bottom of the river? You know what I'm talking about? That's why you got to get that upper course going again to move that stuff downstream somewhere. Hebrews 11:24. think about this. If anybody could have a river polluted, it would be Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with this, so listen to me. Think about that. Moses was born. You know the, if you don't know the whole story, I don't have time to go there. But he was placed in the Nile. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him. You know the story? Pharaoh's daughter finds him. She says, find his mama so she can nurse him. Miriam happens to be hanging around. What a, what a good sister. Miriam hangs around, go get his mama. And from that point on, his mama nurses him. I like this. This is really big. I want you to get this. He was raised for 40 years by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, you'd be thinking that he'd be calling her mama. But you never see anywhere in the scripture where he calls her mama. Why? Who was nursing him? Mama. Get this. Pay attention how it works. But his mother nursed him. You know, each and every minute she was with him, she spoke the truth of who he was and what was to come. you got to hear me now. Even as a little baby, do you understand what she was saying to him? Your name's Moses. You're one that was drawn out, and you're going to draw the people of God out. I don't know how it's all going to work, but bless God, that was told to him over and over. Come on, somebody. There was a river that was placed in him. And in the Old Testament, Old Testament this is how the river began. It had to be somebody speaking the word of God in a prophetic move in you so that when it began to happen, the river at that moment had headwaters that began to bubble up and grow. And look what it did in him. He never claimed to be an Egyptian. Never claimed to be an Egyptian. He was raised by the Egyptian. He was raised in their warfare. He was raised in their thought patterns. Well, he knew what they were going to do before they were going to do it. Think about this. God used him in a mighty way. She spoke his destiny into him. Don't you like it? There's so many of you that had your destiny spoke into you and you deny it and don't want it and you don't understand, just give way to it. Life will be a whole bunch easier. And not only that, it'll be a whole much more enjoyable. This was the river that God had placed in him at an early age to become the deliverer of his people. Just think, he doesn't even know he's a baby. I like this. Acts 7.22, and Moses was educated in all wisdom of the Egyptian. It was powerful in speech and action. What does he tell God when he chooses him to lead the people out? Well, you know I have trouble speaking. Well, what does it just say right there? He was a powerful speaker. But when God calls us up and out sometimes, we decide, to, you know, we've got lockjaw. Well, God, I can't do that. I know I said that 22 years ago. God, you want me to open a church in LaGrange, Texas? Are you out of your mind? Find somebody else. He goes, I didn't, I'm not calling anybody else. I'm calling you. I said, find somebody else. It would be much easier in Houston, not in LaGrange. You know, LaGrange is a great place to live. I love LaGrange, but this is a small-town atmosphere. I'll never be a, a real leopard because I, I wasn't born here. I wasn't born at the school. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's about the way it has to be here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Here's what really happened. Here's how the enemy sometimes gets tricked and he doesn't even know it. The enemy was raising its enemy. Don't you love it? The enemy was raising its men. In other words, what the enemy meant for bad, God meant for good. The enemy was raising its own enemy. It was training Moses, which would become his Worst nightmare. Think about this. You don't even know what you're doing. And for 40 years, you prepare him in every way so that you can be defeated. It's the greatest story ever told. Philippians 4, 18 and 19 says, This is Paul, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, and an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. So that has to tell me 
that the power of God, even working through Jesus, since he was and is and is to come, he was before the foundation of the world, was even working in Moses at that time, supplying the need when it looked like he was being misled, he was being led. Come on, somebody. The supply of God far surpasses any and all sacrificial giving. It keeps the river flowing. That's what Paul is saying. He knows how to be wherever he is that God has got him. So he allows the river of God to flow no matter what. Think about this. Looking from afar at Paul's life. Would you really want to be Paul? He got, he got beheaded. Do you want to be Paul? And everybody still would be talking about you today. Hey, you wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. We'd still be talking about you today. Paul's river never had a trickle. You understand? It didn't matter what he was saying is. I know how to operate in the upper course I know how to operate when I begin to meander around in the will of God. And I know how to deposit completely and become an area of a mouth to an open water when, it, when the season calls for it. I'm not going to be distracted because the river of God will run my life. Psalm 36 and 7 at 9 says this. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them, what? Drink from your river of delights. For with you, the fountain of life, in your light we see light. So here we are. We're back into Psalms again. Is which where I was supposed to be. You never thought I was going to get there, but I did finally get there. Even in Psalms, it talks about the river of God. Even in Psalms, the river has something to do with our development as Christians. And it all is talking about... And living in the spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost, or for you religious people, the Holy Spirit. When I read this scripture, it's all in him. We live, we move, we have our being. Isn't that right? That's how the river works. It's how we live and we move, we have our being. When we live, it's at the very first dimension of Christianity. That's the upper course. And as we move, it's how we operate in day-to-day activity and have our being is when we, when we deposit ourselves into something bigger than, than us. Are you getting that? That's kind of the way that works. When I look at the world today, I see nothing of hope that will endure until the end. Do you? We were talking about it on the trip yesterday, yesterday home. We just, we're coming back from Del Rio, and we are talking about if you look at the world today, is there any hope? Don't look at politics. There's no hope. I'm not being ugly. I just don't get it. I don't know what to believe or what not to believe. There is so much garbage out there. I don't really, if I had to tell you what to believe about either party, here's my assessment of politics. Don't get mad. I don't think any of them care about any of us. I'll just leave it there. I'll keep going. Okay? I'll keep going. I don't. When I look at the church today, it almost appears at times we are like it was when Jesus was born. The river of God had stopped flowing. Now remember this. That's exactly how it was when Jesus was born. The Romans were in control. The Jews were in slavery. It was absolutely a dark time for his people. What is it now today? It's a dark time for us. We don't see how dark it is because we're still eating. We're all still overweight. We're all, we all think that as long as we can pay our bills, everything must be okay. But I'm telling you, there's a rumbling dark and deep. It's not okay. I'm not trying to scare you. I want you to pray. I want you to seek the face of God. I want you to keep your river flowing so if nothing else can steer this world in a, in a clear path, it'll be the river of God in each one of us. Somebody say amen. amen. Think about this. The temple was a shell and really only a memory from the pages of Scripture they had. That's what the temple was, just a shell. Is that the church today? When you look at the church today and you see all the religious activities, I've told you this many times, but what if we stopped doing what God hadn't told us to do? Now, I want you to think about that. What if we stopped doing, let's just make it personal. What if I stopped doing what God hadn't told me to do? I wonder what I'd be doing. That's pretty scary. Have you thought about that? How about the church? How about us as a whole? How about in your life? When you leave here, do you immediately forget about the river that's supposed to be flowing? I have to fight sometimes to keep the river flowing.
But still, remember, there's always a trickle. Even in the darkest times of, it, of, the, of the Jewish people, I've been over there many times, and I still love it. The place that we stayed in Del Rio, this lady keeps a picture, Bondred keeps a picture of Israel, uh, a live picture on her uh, uh, TV screen from the Internet. It's a live picture of the Dome of the Rock, and you can see Israel, and she's got some other places. But I've, since I've been there and, and have been just right in that place and right on it and right there, I just start thinking about, I need to go back to Israel. You know, everybody thinks, well, you can't go over there. It's dangerous. Well, do you want to pick up the paper here? I don't know why you think it's more dangerous in Israel than it is right here. Some of you are so deceived into thinking that. That's fake, that's fake news again. But let me tell you why there was a trickle. This is Jesus. Is fix, he's fixing to be born. So he's finally born. Things are not looking good right now. Nobody really understands what this is all about. His parents don't even know. But let's look. I'm going to read a lot of scripture. So let's see if you can hang in here with some Bible. Luke 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Oh, Now listen. Anytime you see something in the scripture and we're talking about letting the river flow, you need to say righteous and devout. You know what that does to your river? Come on, somebody. What does it do? Open it up. Thank you, Leroy. It opens that river up. So when you're reading Scripture and we're talking about something, always look and see and how you can put that to what we're talking about. Don't just read words and, and not try to look for a little bit of revelation in them. Okay? So here we are. Who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Sounds like he got a pretty good river flowing. Huh? Come on, somebody. Hey, look at me. Now, did you stay out too late last night? I need some response. Say amen. amen. That was pretty good. Maybe y'all listening good, okay? It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Who, did, who, did it, who revealed it to him? So he got a river flowing. Now, you have to relate everything I say to what we're talking about. You know why Howard's here today? We've got a Holy Ghost river flowing. He can't get up here and be here with it. With just, I told him his neck got cut all up in here. Come on, somebody. Looked like he'd been in a knife fight and lost. But he won. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he, see, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by what? See, this whole story is nothing about just the river. I'm trying to teach you that no matter how long it takes, if you'll stay in the river, God will take you where he wants you to go. You hear me, Peter? Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, because Jesus fulfilled the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you, not, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Now listen to this. <clears throat> this is before anybody in the New Testament have spoken about Jesus and who he is. This is before Nathaniel or Philip says, Oh, you saw me under a tree? You must be the Son of God. This is before Peter says... You are Christ, the Son of the living God. This is at the very beginning of everything. You have a guy that's just kind of slipped over, but you, we shouldn't slip over somebody that had a river flowing for years and years and years, waiting to see the restitution of the people of God, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Come on, somebody, that's you. Say amen. Amen. If you're not born again, you're still a Gentile, but if you're born again, you're a grafted-in Jew. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. i got to learn you something here. That's the way a biology teacher talks. Learn you something. Oh, truthfully, that's the way a coach talks. Somebody help me. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. I like this. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. See, they didn't even have the revelation. Simeon had the revelation. Why? It was prophesied this would take place before he died. God had told him by the river of the Holy Ghost that was alive and fresh and operative in his life. When he saw Jesus, nobody had to tell him, that's Jesus. The spirit in him said, that's Jesus. 
The parents didn't come up and say anything. It didn't say there was an introduction. Then Simeon blessed them and said, Mary, to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Now listen, there's nobody had a bigger river than Jesus. He is the river. (laughs) He's the cause of the river. Come on, somebody. So think what was fixing to happen. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to the world, and they're going to try to dam up the river. Matter of fact, they're going to try to kill the river. They're thinking they killed him, and it's dammed up forever, but there was a third day. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You know what that's like, don't you, Mama? Don't you know what Mary felt like? She couldn't even really get a hold of all of this. All this was going down, but she didn't have the river yet. Simeon did. He understood exactly what he was saying. The rising and fall of many, many that think there's some are going to come here, and many that are nothing are going to come here. He's going to make the high places low and the low places high so we can see on a level playing field. That's in Jesus. Amen? There was also a prophetess, Anna. I told you I was going to read some scripture. You don't even have to read your Bible you know, for today. I'm doing it for you. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then there was a, and was a widow until she was 84. Here's another one, had a vision. I'm telling you guys. She never left the temple. Come on. All right, she never left the temple. All right, now... Where is the temple of God today? Is it here at the remnant? Where is it? Where is it? Come on, Rick. You with me? I know you came back from Del Rio late. You're going to have to wake up, son. It's in you. There's the temple. So it never left the temple. Nowadays, God never leaves the temple if you got it. Are you with me? Was a widow until now. Something really bad happened. I mean, she was only married for seven years, and something really bad happened, and she was a widow and decided she's going to stay in the temple because God had spoke to her that she was going to see the salvation of Israel. Now think about it. When thing, things happen to us that we don't understand, you're married for seven years, and all of a sudden your mate dies or something happens, most people don't say, well, you know what, I'm going to dedicate myself to the Lord for the rest of my life. We're going to find a way to exit from God. We're going to try to find a way to blame God. Come on, somebody. Aren't we? It's just the way it is. She said, I'm going to stay in the temple. I'm not leaving this place. I've been called for a purpose. It wasn't wrong that I was married, but bless God, I know who I'm married to now. Apparently, she had a great river flowing. She never left the temple. So how do you get the river flowing? What's the next second word? But what? You want, the, you want the river flowing? Quit worshiping yourself. Quit demanding what you want and start to worship the God for what he wants that we serve and what he gave his son for, for us to operate and have the Holy Ghost lead us in everything that we say and do. Worship him. Offer yourself a living sacrifice. Worship him. Night and day. When? Just in the morning? Night and day. Fasting. Oh, my gosh. And praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking. Well, I know one thing. This is Jesus. I appreciate y'all bringing him. And everybody's going, what is she talking about? You understand? She had the river. She had the, 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 the Holy Ghost inside of her to speak the identity of what was happening. They could not understand any of this. But they're looking. They're pondering it. They're thinking about it. Just like some of you right now that really don't have a river flowing you're thinking about it. You're pondering it, but you're thinking, yeah, that's for those crazy people. Those aren't crazy people. These are people that love God. These are two people that we're still reading about today that had an experience of Jesus before the Holy Ghost was even released. It can happen. People thought it couldn't happen to me. It happened. Huh? Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Gosh, she had some revelation. Do you understand this? That's the river of life. That's what she had. She had something that when she was speaking, everybody went, wow. Now, I don't know about this. Wow, how can this be? How, how can somebody know this kind of stuff? 
Her own parents didn't even know. Now, they were submissive to God. That's why Mary had a child. The trickle would soon turn into a massive flood. Come on, somebody. That would ebb and flow throughout church history. When we're obedient to God, it just looks like the river can't be denied. Come on, somebody. And we become disobedient. It looks like we're sad sacks and God lied. <laughs> Isn't it the truth? Something going in your life, you get a raise. I just love God so much. You get demoted, you're thinking, what did I do wrong? Isn't it the truth? Don't laugh. I know it hurts, Howard. Don't laugh. But it's the truth. We're so up and down. The ebb and flow of what the Jewish people were is no different than what we are today. We've just got to get consistent because he is. And we can't relate to him as we relate to ourselves. He never changes, but bless God, he wants to change us. That's what religion does. Religion tries to change him. Impossible. He still went to the cross. The consistency of the church must stabilize if we desire to see what the river of God was meant to do. We have to stabilize. We have to get to that place where we're consistent. I know in my own life I'm inconsistent at times. And when it's like that, I just feel like I, I, I get into that stagnant pool and I, I'm trying to swim around and trying to get away from that mess and sometimes you just don't fight anymore. And it's a bad place to be. Amen? How many of y'all ever get there? I'm probably the, Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to lie. If we refuse to stabilize then we will become like the churches in Revelation, which digress from the first church to the last church. It's a digression. Let's talk about the church of Ephesus. Revelation 2.4. This is we're talking about the river. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. That's pretty tough, isn't it? You've forsaken your first love. You remember when you first got saved? I told you last week, if you hadn't had an upper course headwater experience, and, and it, it, it might not have been lightning pills and thunder, but there had to have been a 180 in your life happen, or you're just going through a religious experience, and you're meeting somebody else's protocol of what being born again is not. This is what stopped the river from flowing. You lost your first love. I'll never forget when I first saw my wife when I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old. I was standing at the bottom of these little league stands, and I looked up there, and there were about four or five girls. All of them wanted to go with me. Thank you. Why are y'all laughing? Honey, are you in here? Didn't they all want to go with me? <laughs> well, I think they all wanted to go with me is what I think. The one up there, her, her little friend, I hadn't met her yet, but her little friend said, look, down there is Dennis Hill. Isn't he the cutest thing? <laughs> it's a true story. I'm telling you the truth. She'll tell you this right now. And I was with a guy... And I said, who's that girl up there? And he said, there's several of them up there. And I said, I know, but that one, it's that skinny little blonde up there, and she's uh, got a good tan. <laughs> I said, uh, who's that girl? Oh, that's Jan Burchell. And I said, true story. I looked at her, and I, I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to marry her someday. <laughs> true story. Now, I didn't know all the stuff I'd have to do to get married to her, and I didn't know what <laughs> marriage was going to involve, but <laughs> God, here I am, you know. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to watch what you speak. Amen. Come on, somebody, because it will come to pass. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Boy, I got, you're staying with me here. I love this. Well, what I'm trying to say is that when I first saw her, I fell head over heels for this girl. And I'm still, I'm still in love with her. But I'm telling you, you, listen, I hate to talk this sick, but Kobe and Rachel still remember this. If y'all, when you first start going with somebody, you know all you can do, it doesn't even matter if you just look at each other. <laughs> I mean, you can just look at each other. You ain't got to say a word. You just look at each other. Everything communicates your look. Why? Because that's your first love. I'm talking about, you ain't got, you, it's every little thing about them just attracts you 
doesn't it? Have y'all forgotten? I mean, I used to love the way my wife would stand and, 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 you know, her little mannerisms. And, you know, I'd be watching her and be going, man, that's so cute. That's so cute. Man, I, everything she does is so cute. I, I'd, I'd rub her, the end of her fingers right here and I'd go, that's so soft. Oh, my God. I, mean, I ain't lying, y'all. I mean, I was so, she'll tell you this. I, and then she'd just sit there and look at me. She's just, and she's, she'd look at me and go, I just don't want to leave you tonight. I'm like, well, honey, you got to go home. <laughs> I know you can't help it. That's the, way mo- that's the way most of them are. You know what I'm saying? There was only one, I promise. It was her. But see, when you first have that first love, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. If it can be that good in the natural, come on, somebody. I'm trying to teach you in the spiritual, it can be unbelievable. There's no comparison because of what he's done for me when I can truly see, as Pastor Rachel was reading a while ago, in the Lord's Supper, how could I not give him thanks? How could, not, how could I not offer myself a living sacrifice? But if you lose your first love, you stop the river from flowing. Ephesus had forsaken the first love of God. Oh, she had done some admirable acts. You know, they do. She had hard work and perseverance. She did not embrace the wickedness of men. She had exposed false prophets. She had endured hardships. But it says you must repent from where you have fallen. So come on, somebody. The first thing we have to do is have we lost our first love. If we have done that and we're still doing some good things, let's repent from where we have fallen so we can get this river flowing again. She had endured hardships, but you must repent from where you have fallen and return to your first love. You must return to a first love condition. Therefore, first love acts. Come on, when you're first in love, what do you do? You open the door. You set the chair. I mean, whatever you're, you're doing, everything you can do, because I tell women this all the time. If they're not on their best behavior before you get married, it can only go downhill. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, if they're not on their best behavior before you get married to them, the best thing is leave them now. Don't shout me down. That's the truth. It doesn't get better unless they're lost. Huh? Me and my wife first got married, we were lost. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? We're lost. You must return to your first love condition, your first love, so you can have first love things that are going on in your life. Send them flowers, and you mean it. You're not trying to get something. I don't want to go there. When we receive the love of Christ, there is nothing we would not do for him. I got saved, born again, 38 years ago. And my wife will tell you, I started jumping through hoops for God. I thought, I mean, she used to never know where I was. Now I'd come home and tell her I'm going to a revival somewhere, and she'd go, great, go to another one. God fill him up more and more and more. I mean, I'd just go anywhere because she knew where I was. When somebody knows where you are, and they know who your first love is. Now, she knew when I got born again, she became second. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all still struggle with that. Huh? You think your, your mate's your first love. No. He's your second. When we receive the love of Christ, there's nothing we would not do for him. But slowly, we're not aware of many things the enemy confronts us with. As a result, we become weak defeated, and lackluster about our primary promise. We develop a mutiny mentality, and you don't even know it. Lord, I do not like the way you're running this boat, so I'm taking over the ship. Come on, somebody. And when you start to take over your ship, you don't even know it, but it, it just begins to lose direction a little. And all it takes is a little for you not to get to your destiny. Isn't that right? Don't take the helm of your life. Let Jesus take the helm of your life. We may look the same as in the works on the outside, but our heart is drawn away to the ways of the world. Isn't that right? The ways of the world. It's so easy to do that. Why? Because we don't want to be ostracized. We don't want somebody to say we're some kind of Jesus freak or we're so religious. I hate that term. 
I don't want to be religious. I want to be in such a deep relationship with Christ that the anointing that he's given me through his spirit changes the atmosphere when I walk in. And it's the same way that I want for you as well. We're drawn away into the ways of the world. Why? Because that's a constant battle. Remember, Moses was used to draw them out of the world. Egypt will always look like the world. Babylon will always be like the world. Moses was one that uses, was used to draw them out. If Moses is a type and a shadow of, of course, Jesus, which all of them are in the Old Testament, then what are we supposed to do if that's what he was called to do? Have you not known it's your job, the one you hate so much because there's so many vile people that you just don't like talking to? Do you know what? That's your mission field. Come on, somebody. That's your mission field. Start praying for them. Start praying for the right words to say to them. Don't just go in and hit them over the head with Jesus, but start praying for them. Start, start praying for their families. Start praying for an entrance and an attitude. Why? Because that's where your river has been dictated to flow. That's it. When you get to your job, you dam it up. I ain't talking to nobody my job. Jesus is gone, but that's not what I, I, that's where the river flows. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Africa. That's where I'm going to let my, you got to let your river flow here before you can go anywhere else. Don't you understand? If it can't flow here, it won't do, have any significance in Africa. You have to let it flow here. That's why we do what we do in this community. That's why we do our outreaches. I hadn't believed they hadn't called me to, want me to rap with KB yet, but. I kind of could. Maybe with D-Boy. You want me to rap with you? D-Boy said I could. I'll write you a few lines, whatever you call it. I wonder sometimes if all of us in here have experienced the first love. Have you? You know, when you don't, when you, when you don't, when you, when you, when you're, with your wife, and you start to kind of lose that first love, you start to notice she's maybe lost some weight. <laughs> Let me say that nicely. <laughs> or maybe she's gained a little weight. Or maybe she has a wrinkle or two that wasn't there when you first married her. You understand what I'm saying? Because you start to notice the weaknesses. Instead, you're supposed to cover her weaknesses. Because yes, that's what Jesus did for you. Come on, somebody. What did he do for you? He covered your weaknesses. Matter of fact, he took them away. And it's funny, when you start to lose the first love, the attitude for your mate, you start to notice their weaknesses. You start to call them out. You start to talk about them. That's how you can tell you need to reel that back in, boys and girls. Reel that thing back in. I just, don't want, I just wanted to call this back to you. How did it feel when you first fell in love with your mate? I want you to know it feels a million times better if you'll fall in love with Jesus. And let me tell you, I'm going to help you with your first love and your mate. She's your second. It will make your love for your wife a million times more uh, uh, serious, more uh, comforting, caring, uh, secure, uh, God will teach you how to love your wife. You know, and a woman, most of the time, they don't have that difficulty. It's us men that are just, we just have a tough time of showing our feelings and emotions to our wife. It's even hard for us to do it among other men, but, you know, with our wife, we always got, no, no, show her. But see, you can't do that without the love of Christ. If you've kind of lost your first love, here's what happens. One ministry loses his meaning. I want you to hear me. Ministry, when you lose your first love, loses his meaning. Okay? So ministry is supposed to have his meaning. Two, his word loses his worth. Are you with me? His word loses his worth. Not your word. I'm not I, it's his word and his worth. Three, prayer loses his power. Not about your power. I'm talking about when you lose your first love, Ministry loses his meaning, his word loses his worth, prayer loses his power, enthusiasm exits, church becomes a choice, 
Come on, somebody. Lose your first love and talk to me. What does church do? Well, you think it's the building, but you don't understand you are the church. And the, the idea is when you don't want to show up, you think it affects no one, but you're the church. You're the church. It affects everyone when you don't show up. Especially when you can be making an impact by being who you're supposed to be called. The church, the body of Christ. And six, families operate in failure. When the head man loses his first love. When the head man begins to take everything else and rearrange it and stack it above Jesus. The family begins to operate in failure. This will surely bring the river to a trickle or maybe to a stop. So what's the solution? I can't just tell you the problem. I've got to bring you to a solution. Repent is what it says. Turn from what you're doing that is not God and turn to God and begin to do those things before you lost your first love. What did you do in Christ when you first got born again? Things used to, they just broke off of you. And the next thing you know, you were doing things that the whole town was talking about. Now, you didn't ask them to talk about it. and You didn't care. But it doesn't matter you weren't the same person, and they couldn't believe it. You remember? You couldn't, I mean, they couldn't believe it, and you didn't even know what they were talking about because you were so enamorated with the love of God. You just loved God so much. You didn't care. Your life changed. Things were bright even when they were dark. Come on, somebody. They were bright even when they were dark. Something happened bad, you say, but God's going to take care of it. Now you say that, you feel religious about it. Now you say that and you believe you're telling a lie. No, I don't care how bad it is. God's going to take care of it. Stay the course. Stay the course. Repent. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. I'm, this is not 1 John 1, 9 is a prayer to those that are saved. It's not that you're being saved all over again. It's the fact that you're removing distraction, acknowledging what you have stepped away from and allowing God to purify you once again. But you're not being resaved. You can't be born again again. Born again again. Again, again, again. You can't. Your rededicators just wore out. Just repent to God. Get the river flowing again. Bless God and let's get moving. What happens if we lose our holiness? Then our being set apart from the world loses its purpose for God. When we lose our hope, what is holiness? Being set apart. When you get born again, you're set apart. I would like to tell you that everybody in here has a tattoo thinks they're set apart. If that's that case, I have many tattoos, but I'm not set apart from anything because I have a tattoo. I'm not against tattoos. I know in Leviticus 19, don't tell it to me, I already know it. I have not marked my body for the dead. I've marked my body for the living. In the Old Testament, they took an awl and pierced their ear. So if you want to tell me piercings were wrong, you're wrong. If you pierced your body for the cause of Christ, you did the good thing. That's what they did. We have so many religious people think they know what they're teaching, but they don't know what they're teaching because they don't know what they're teaching. Don't you like that? <laughs> Set apart for the world and the purpose of God. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Boy, we're getting some word in today. I'm feeling healthy up in here. So then, have your minds ready for action. Come on, somebody. Hey, we're not here about y'all going on a trip. You know what all y'all are doing? I'm going to go to Red River in a couple of weeks or so, whenever. And I'm getting pretty fired up about that. You know, I'm pretty sharp. Some of these men have been going fishing lately. You ought to see when they're going fishing. Their wives, I know, just want to slap them up. I mean, they're, they're acting like going fishing is more important than being with them. Come on, somebody. Am I wrong? Rachel, is that right or not? Oh, she said, no way. I know that's not true. And they're showing those pictures of those fish when they're coming back. You ought to see them. They're all those men who's, their wives are going, that's my man. <laughs> Believe that if you want to. Come on, somebody. So you got to keep your minds ready for action. you got to act like there's something going on. Donna Ingram told me this morning, when I'm coming to church this morning, I'm going to be looking for something going on. I'm going to be looking for a miracle. I'm going to be looking for some action. Come on, get your mind right today. Have some action about you. There's a river flowing in you. 
Aren't you tired of being a mild-mannered reporter? Get into your phone booth. Put on your Superman suit and let's fly up out of here. Come on, somebody. Huh? It's not Superman was fake. We're the real deal. Come on, somebody. Man, I used to love Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, can leap a tall building in a single bound. It's a plane, it's a bird. No, it ain't. It's Superman. <laughs> I, I did that just for you. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> See, I can meet all kinds of in here. It's a brother here neck. Y'all pray for him. He got it up. Here we go. Set your minds right. You got your mind right? Y'all remember seeing Cool Hand Luke? Y'all remember that show? Got your mind right, boy? At the end of the show, he didn't have his mind right. What did he say? Come on, stay with me. There is a failure to communicate. Listen to me. What's wrong with most Christians? There's a failure to communicate. I ought to stop right there and just preach the whole day. Keep alert. Come on, somebody. Keep alert and set your hope completely on the blessing which will be given to you when Christ Jesus is revealed. Come on. This is so good. Be obedient to God. You want the river to flow? Be obedient to God. Don't walk out of here and forget God. Be obedient to God. Get in your word and find out what obedience is and be obedient to God. The river will flow. Things will happen, but there will be a solution. And it will stop your pollution. Be obedient to God. Do not allow your lives to be shaped by those desires you had when you were still ignorant. When you have the river, it's not that the enemy is going to stop. He's going to keep trying to put those things back in your life. But don't lose your first love. You get up in the morning like I do and you read that Bible, whether you feel like it or not. Everybody says, well, I get in the evening. If I do it in the evening, I'm asleep at the wheel. Come on, somebody. I get it in the morning and I pray for everything that's going to be. I already prayed for all of y'all this morning. Well, I'm ready to go. I read that Bible. I'm in Luke right now. Boy, Luke's a good book, isn't it? There ain't a bad book in the Bible, so that's why I say that. Luke, Luke's a good book. When you were still ignorant. Come on, somebody. Are you ignorant? We know more about things than a fake county record, but God bless them, than we do in the Bible. Am I wrong or right? I'm almost done, so don't hold your breath. Instead, be holy in all that you do. And when you hear that, religious people say, well, you think you're holier than thou? Well, not than thou Christ, but I'm holy as he was, because as he is the son, I'm a son. So if he calls me holy, it means that I, and I am, right, Marcel? I am, because holy just means called out to his purpose. And if I don't lose my first love, Leroy, then I can still be in his purpose. The scripture says, be holy because I'm holy. Come on, somebody. You're going to be something. You're going to be something. Just be holy. Why are you so afraid of being holy? It goes back to control and fear. Why are you so afraid of being holy? You know, if you stay in a religious institution, you don't have to worry because everybody's holy in their own way. But he says, be holy by his standard because I'm holy. So what he places in you, the spirit of the living God, the river, the Holy Ghost, is holy. It is what causes everything that's not God to go downstream and causes you to be what? Holy. You damn the river by losing your first love. Y'all ever seen beavers when they damn a place? Well, they'll stagnate it, won't they? We damn the river when we lose our first love. When you first receive the river, everything that is not God begins to go downstream. A fresh, clear, innocent view of the grace of God begins to develop in you. It's so clear. It's so, you can't believe you're forgiven, but bless God you are and you love every minute of it. I mean, there's a change because you're no longer looking through the sinister savageness of sin. No longer looking. I want to tell you today, God wants an eternal covenant with you. 
He wants an eternal covenant through Jesus Christ, and that's the only way that it comes. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 says, For I am jealous as to you with a jealousy which is of God, for I have espoused you unto one man. Come on, somebody. This is the only time a man can marry another man. It's it right here. Read it. Here's what it said. For I'm jealous as to you with a jealousy which is of God, for I have espoused you unto one man to present you a chaste virgin to Christ. No matter who you are in here, if you're born again, you're married to Jesus. You are married to Christ. And you can say that. Somebody asked me one time, you, marry, you, you believe in marrying a man? I said, well, it depends on which man. There you go. <laughs> if you're asking me if I'm married to Jesus, yes, I am. Completely. Man, I'm wearing his wedding ring on my heart. I'm telling you right now, buddy, I'm married to Jesus. Jealousy. You know what that means? To make a vow. I mean, to make a show of zeal in order to gain someone as a follower. Jealousy, to make a show of zeal in order to gain someone as a follower. Can Jesus do any more to make you a follower? What does he got to do? If he dropped the lottery on you, you'd squander it. It'd be misappropriated, misused, and you'd be abused. Espoused, you know what that means? He espoused you. Therefore, betrothed you. In other words, it's an engagement. And he says, a chaste virgin, one who considers her position and relationship in Christ first and foremost. You know what virgin is? It means clean and forgiven from all. That's what Christ presents us to the Father. He goes, you want to see my virgin Dennis? You don't look at stuff like that, do you? That's what the river does for you. You want, to see my, you want to see my virgin Dennis Hill down there at the Remnant Church? Father, here he is. He wants to talk to you. There's only one mediator between man and God. It's the man Christ Jesus. So the scripture says, I don't have to go through any other man, neither do you. I'm trying to teach you today. Every one of us that goes to God, 1 John 1, 9, we repent because we're believers not to be saved, just to remove the distraction and acknowledge our weaknesses from time to time. But I'm telling you, when Jesus, when you come to the Father through Jesus, he says, I want you to meet my virgin. I like that. Because see, you come with all your stuff still saying, Lord, I'm going to come. I know you remember what I did the other day. I know you remembered how, what I said the other day. I know you remember how messed up I am. And, and, and Jesus, the Father's going, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's been washed away in the blood. You're a chaste virgin. Chaste means you're obedient to my will. You're chaste. You're disciplined under the holiness being set apart and used by God so the river never stops flowing. You got the river of life? Have you ever had the river of life? God, there's nothing greater to walk in the river of life. There's nothing greater to be filled with the presence of God. Nothing greater than the Holy Ghost that I've experienced. Everything else wanes immediately. A new car, a vacation, even in the middle of it, you're not wanting it to be over. The men catching all that fish, they can't believe it's the last day. They, one day they limited in one hour. They were so disappointed. They wanted to sit out there for six hours fishing. They didn't get to. Daryl put them in too many fish. Huh? You know why? They cast on the right side of the boat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's why y'all struggle in fishing. You don't cast on the right side of the boat. It's simple. Jesus knew fishing. He picked a bunch of fishermen. Why? Because he's the ultimate fisherman. Jesus picked people that would follow him. He's picking you today. Have you picked him? Have you really picked him? He's picking you today. Why don't you pick back? Why don't you say, it's my turn. I want the river flowing. You bow your head with me. You're not sure you have the river flowing. Today's your day.
You're going to ask Jesus Christ to take over your life, take over your heart. Is that you today? Have you, have you not really ever, oh, you said a prayer, but you've really never accepted the fullness of Christ in your life. You've never accepted forgiveness because your past follows you around like a dog. The future's so muddied up that you can't even tell the direction you're supposed to be going. You're still so insecure that you can hardly make a statement about the goodness of God because you don't think you're worthy. Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking to somebody in here. God's jealous over you. He's so jealous, he gave his best. With a, with a zealous act, he gave his best, his son. So I'm talking to you today. Are you sure you're born again? Are you sure? You've asked Jesus to come in. If you died today, you know you'd go to heaven. Are you sure of that? If you're not sure, I want you to raise your hand. He'll change your life. If you're not sure, you'd go to heaven. I just want you to raise your hand. It's okay. Jesus hung on a cross for you naked after he was beaten unrecognizable. He was unashamed to die for you to make a pathway for you to be able to talk to God. He would take away your sin, past, present, and future. He would establish a plan for your life, Jeremiah 29, 11. And he'd make a way and tell you he'd never leave you nor forsake you in Matthew 28. That's what he said he would do. And not only did he say it, he did it. Anybody in here? Today's your day to get born again. Just lift your hand. I'll pray with you. You'll get born again. It's going to be an awesome experience. Anybody? Okay, I'm going to take it you're all going to heaven. I'm going to take it that there's nothing going down today that you would be so afraid of that you'd miss heaven. And somebody, if they had to do your funeral, wouldn't stand up and lie and say, boy, they were the greatest people. I'll tell you, you knew they were Christians because that's all they ever talked about. They were in the purpose of God. Amen? I've done too many funerals while I've had to say some things. I hate to tell you that. I don't think we're true. Well, did you get something today?